All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Monday, January 31st. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Pat, let's just get into this t- this sleepy, snowy top five. Mm-hmm. Let's plow, genuinely plow. If there was ever a weekend for us to plow, it is this past one. The uh, the east is it with the whole northeast or or the east coast or just New York City? I mean, honestly, I don't follow news outside of New York City. But who got hit with this uh, this cyclone bomb weather? Well, Philly. Okay. It looks like so part of Pennsylvania, Connecticut, New Jersey. It's it's you know it's it's a nor'easter, so it hit the east uh, eastern seaboard. All right. Well, you know what? Now more than ever. Clayton, the B.O. boys, we got to plow. So number one, Spider-Man No Way Home, $11 million, down 21%, lost 30 theaters. It's at $735.8 million in its seventh weekend. Number two, Scream, or Five Cream, $5.3 million, down 40%, lost 148 theaters. It's at $62.1 million in its third weekend. Number three, Sing 2, $4.8 million, down only 17%. It, it added 16 theaters. It's at $134.5 million in its sixth weekend. Number four, Holding Tight, Redeeming Love, down 48%. Made $1.8 million, added 60 theaters. It's at $6.5 million in its second weekend. And number five, The King's Man, $1.7 million, down only 2%, added 125 theaters. It's at $34 million in its sixth weekend. That is your top five. Great plowing, though. I do have to make one correction on you there, Clayton. You said for for five cream, you said that it made five point three million this week, and it made seven point three. And I understand your mistake because you had just said five cream, so the number five was like really stuck in your uh, head. We, yeah, so it's understandable. But the listeners, this is the only way they're ever going to know this information. So, got to correct that. Scream five, five cream made seven point three million this weekend. That is important because it it, it only dropped forty percent. I wish that was a little bit of a lower drop, but still, you know, it's six sixty two million. I, I wish it was more, but it definitely is still doing well. Yeah, I mean, we had always said the magic number for it for it being a big success was going to be that 75. If I got to that, it's a big hit. 80 is a big, big hit. I think it's pretty clear this movie will get to 70, mm-hmm. and it's still possible for it to get to 75. 80 is going to be tough. Um, but overall, I think that's a pretty good hold. I mean, again, this is a horror movie, and horror movies usually do not have good holds. And if Scream plays more like a, a action movie slash nostalgia movie, you know, closer to a Ghostbusters afterlife, then it's going to be in good shape. And I think either way, Five Cream is going to be a success. And, you know, I just mentioned Ghostbusters afterlife. Let's put a little highlight on what that movie did this weekend. Came in number eight. 
So Ghostbusters Afterlife is back in the top 10. And it actually not just had a good hold this weekend, it increased how much it made compared to last weekend. Ghostbusters Afterlife made 770000 which is up 18% mm-hmm. from the weekend before. It added 109 theaters. So, Clayton, what do you think is going on here? Usually when a movie, this is 11 weeks into its run, when a movie starts adding that many theaters this late in the run, it could often mean that the studio is trying to get it over a certain uh, benchmark, you know, that they want to get it over a certain number that they could crow about. And I'm not sure what that number is, $128 million. Let me check actually real quick. Is is that the answer the call domestic total? They the yeah, answer I, the call got to one forty. I think they uh, here's what my thought is. Mm-hmm. There's no product in the theaters right now. Mm-hmm. So so this is a film that people obviously wanted to see. It was doing well. Why not add a few theaters here? Why not get this on more screens and get people who want to go see something? That's really what mm-hmm. it is. I, I think if Morbius was out, if you had s- something else big opening in this corridor, then you wouldn't see this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that probably so you think it's the movie theaters reached out to Sony and Sony answered the call and then the movie theaters said no 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 not answer the call afterlife that's what we want we want some more afterlife I mean domestically this might not be getting close to answer the call but I think it's trying to pass it worldwide Well actually here is what it clearly is, because I just looked up the domestic box office for 2016's Ghostbusters Answer the Call, and that movie topped out domestically at $128,344,000. Uh, that's what it is. They won a, they won a smash Answer the Call. Yeah, and I think that it, that is probably what happened now. So, so Ghostbusters Afterlife is at $128,058,000. and so they are within a little under 300,000 of passing 2016's answer to the call. So that is what Sony is doing. Sony is 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 definitely playing that game where they want Afterlife to move ahead. Um which is interesting because it's in the grand you know profit and and, and loss it's meaningless. But it's a it's a bragging right situation. They want Jason Reitman and this new crew to be able to brag. We made more money than answer the call. Yeah, and they want they want to see when you know people go like us and they see the mm-hmm. franchise numbers. You'll see one, then two, then you'll see Ghostbusters Afterlife, and then answer the call will be down there at the bottom. And and in a few years, a lot of people will be like, was that like some animated thing? Like, was that, what mm-hmm. was that? I don't even remember mm-hmm. what that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? This strategy is going to work because most of the people who, are, who are, are looking at that someday and most of the other box office analysts, and obviously not people like Jeff Bach at Exhibitor Relations Co. And of course, not Scott Mendelson at Forbes, but- a lot of people out there aren't going to see the tricks the way the B.O. boys did. They're mm-hmm. not going to see that Sony 
pretty much goose the numbers. They probably, I'm not going to say there was a, this is a payola scheme or anything like that, but they, they got the theaters to play along to put afterlife in some more screens so that they could get it past answer the call. And you know what? Good for them. We saw it. We see through it. We, we get what's going on. It's not illegal. You know, no one's getting locked up over this. It's, it's business. No, nope. but, but we understand what the business is. And yeah. And so I, I think before we move on, cause I think we're probably going to move on from this, this top five mm-hmm. and this top 10, but real quick hits here. We did have also some other percentages that were in the blue. We mm-hmm. had at number seven, American underdog, the Kurt Warner story making 1.2 million up 4%, probably because football is going crazy. I think this movie could increase Mm -hmm. its profitability here coming up next weekend. I know we have two big movies coming out, but, you know, listen, Rams are back in the Super Bowl. I think there's a lot of fans that are going nuts for these past few games. NFL is back and getting huge ratings. They're not going to have anything. They're going to have the Pro Bowl, which nobody really going to be too psyched about the Pro Bowl. Even if they are, they're going to take maybe some time, go to the theater, see some football on the big screen. So that's a movie to watch. It's at seven now. Could it go higher? I think it could. Yeah, that that's a great call, too, because as we're on the air, the the Rams just made it to the Super Bowl. They just won. And that logo is going to be everywhere. You know, it's going to be on everyone's local news station. It's going to be on all the talk shows. It's going to be on all the bus stops and, and all the truck stops. It's going to be everywhere. And that Rams logo is the same logo that is going to be on the poster for American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. Mm-hmm. And it's going to remind it's people are going to make that connection consciously or subconsciously. And that Rams logo is going to be the siren call getting them out to this movie next weekend. They're just going to see that Ram and they're going to do I watch a football game? Am I supposed to go to a movie theater? They're 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 going to just know they they're supposed to do something. And then number nine, we've got Licorice Pizza, 691000 It Another plus 5% here. Still at 772 theaters, so it hasn't gone wide. $11.8 million here in its 10th weekend. And then we also have Nightmare Alley at number 11. Wow. Wow. Half a million dollars plus 133% added 713 theaters. It's at $10.3 million in its seventh weekend. This, I believe, is because there is a black and white version of this film that has just been released. Yes, yes. So it. I wonder if that is people who wouldn't have seen this movie otherwise when it was just in color but they very specifically are like, I want to see black and white movies. There's so few of them. So I'm going to go see this one or probably more likely. This is the type of movie where I think the person who saw it already is going to want to see the artsy black and white version. And you're probably getting a lot of repeat business this week. Yes. I think that's a the thing. They want to see it again for the first time in black and white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think, listen, I think this is a gimmick that can be replicated by other movies, why not just release Spider-Man No Way Home in black and white? 
Why not That's a great do it for idea. Scream? Why not do it for every movie? Uh, just have a black and white cut. You know, you just do it digitally, mm-hmm. whatever, like the way people turn things into 3D and put right. it out there. If it makes a couple million dollars, you know, buddy for it. That's great. Right. Right. Do it for Sing 2. You know, not yet because Sing 2 is still rocking and rolling. It's having a good hold. It made another $4.8 million. But, I mean, you know, it worked for Nightmare Alley, which is, of course, an adult skewing dark drama. But maybe black and white will work for the kids. You know, turn Sing 2 black and white and, and see if it gooses the numbers or if it scares the kids. And then you'll know. Either way, you you want to know. Mm-hmm. So um, we yeah, ha- scream in black and white, I think would be five, five cream in black and white could be, could be big money in a couple of weeks. So you had the Nor'easter, there was some, there were some theaters that closed. Mm-hmm. I know our wannabe old boy Reed sent us an email about how his multiplex looked like it didn't sell any tickets past 8 p.m., so, yeah, and I don't know, is Reed, is he, he's in the stacks, right? Do we know if Reed is a, is a coastal leader, if he's in the stacks, or he's a plain Billy? Well, I mean, if if he got hit by this nor'easter. Oh, yeah, then he's not in the stacks, because it, it didn't really reach the stacks. Yeah, so I do think that, I don't know if he's a coastal elite, but we're not sure. He definitely mm-hmm. gives us great boots on the ground yes, reports, yes. so we love that about him. He was mentioning that is it possible that Sony has some sort of f- foresight, some sort of mm-hmm. uncanny foresight that they knew to move Morbius because this was going to happen because this was Morbius right. weekend. And that w- I do think it would have impacted the box office, obviously, not in the New York City because people still were kicking around there. But there was places mm-hmm. in Connecticut, there was places in Philly, there was other places that had theaters closed, New Jersey, New Brunswick. So he, he said that's a possibility, but also it does not always jive with what they've done previously because he thinks, well, why did they move Peter Rabbit to so much if they were able to tell the future? But I mean, I could see that. I mean, Sony is a tech company. Yes. You know, more than they even are a entertainment company or a broadcaster. Sony's a tech company. They make uh, you know, gaming systems. And I'm sure Sony has some incredible weather predicting devices in their headquarters. I'm sure there's a good chance they saw this uh cyclone bomb coming you know, back when they moved Morbius a month ago. So it may be, we've talked about, there's a lot of reasons why Morbius was moved. They're probably adding Spider-Man. They're probably adding Andrew Garfield. They're probably adding Venom. That's probably the main reason, but it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility that a month or two ago, Sony knew that this bomb cyclone was going to mess up movie theaters this weekend. Yeah. And then real quick, before we move on, we got to give a shout out to the King's man. And mm-hmm. the Kingsman's number one fan, Austin, really happy, sent us an email, sent us one of his great mm-hmm. emails, where, you know, he's applauding the Kingsman with its 2% hold. Yeah. It's, it's a negative I mean, 2%. Kingsman, Kingsman, open low. 
I mean, there's no way around it. It opened at what, like $6 million. So it had a bad opening weekend. But since then, the holds have been great. It is consistently stayed. Has it been in the top five the entire time? It, I think it has been since it uh, opened six yeah. weeks ago. And, you know, uh, Austin keeps keeps uh, throwing out West Side Story as the one to catch. And Kingsman is at $34 million. West Side Story is at $36 million. This past weekend, Kingsman made $1.1 million more than what West Side Story made. So I think... We're looking at a future, you know, unless West Side Story gets a huge bump from the Oscar nom nom noms in a couple of weeks. We're looking at a future where the Kingsman is going to outgross West Side Story domestically. And while it's still not going to be a hit, the Kingsman will end up being a bomb. It continues to be much less of a bomb than it looked like that opening weekend. Mm. It's a pretty good run other than it bombed in its opening weekend. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, this past weekend, nothing huge. I mean, one thing on Spider-Man is Spider-Man is now at 735 million domestic total. So that means it is now how far away is it from Avatar? It is about 25 million, 26 million away from passing Avatar to move into number three. On the all-time domestic uh, 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 championship chart there. And, Clayton, I'm going to throw this out there. When Spider-Man No Way Home, if it does pass Avatar to move into number three all-time domestic, that is when we will dedicate some time on an episode to divvying up the millions, giving everyone their due on Spider-Man, and uh you know g- giving credit where credit is due to all of the people and things that made Spider-Man a hit that's when we'll do it nice so, well, so little tease for down the line so Spider-Man has beaten i guess Black Panther's streak of 5 weekends at number 1 because now we're looking at yeah Spider-Man has been at number 1 6 out of its 7 weekends Right. It did it did move to number two when Five Cream opened up. Yeah. And I um, I gotta believe it's gonna lose out to Jackass and possibly Moonfall. Yeah. I mean, we finally got a big weekend to preview coming up. Is there anything else but because I mean that that's the main event today, is us getting into the weekend preview, two new movies. Nothing else really sticking. Redeeming love at number four. Made $1.8 million. I think there is a case of that's a movie that plays really well in the South and the South did not get hit with the bomb cyclone. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that the Northeast had a lot of closed theaters is something that doesn't affect Redeeming Love because let's be frank, people weren't really going to see it in the Northeast. Um, So, you know, maybe, uh, listen, uh, we're not saying whether the B.O. boys do or do not believe in a higher power, but... If there is a higher power that controls the weather, it was probably on the side of redeeming love this weekend because it didn't send that weather to the south. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, even that can't save that movie from being a disaster. Yeah, I mean, it's a disaster, 
but, 6.5 million is i mean even for a movie yeah. like that it's a big universal yeah. movie too so that's yeah, the yeah. issue it's not it's not something that has yeah. a super low budget yeah yeah i mean listen the 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 higher power that controls the weather tried did its best still not enough to make redeeming love into a hit no so let's move on to next weekend yes. we've we've been yes. we've been looking for product the audience is looking for product and we have two big movies coming out we've got of course jackass forever which we were advocating to be moved earlier and you know what this is going to be a good weekend for it it feels like yeah i mean way back when we thought this movie should have opened the end of october been the you know late October movie. It would have been huge then because if 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 they had done what we said, it would have been a success because we are of course were right. Mm-hmm. But I agree. I don't feel like well. Here's the thing: a big reason that we wanted Jackass Forever moved up is because we rightfully feared that the cast may not make it intact all the way to a February release date. Mm-hmm. You know, we knew Johnny Knoxville would be okay. That man's indestructible. He he keeps it tight and right. He's fit and trim. He's looking good. Steve-O's off but the junk. Steve-O's off the junk. He's got the fake teeth. So we figured he'd be okay, though there's always the chance he's going to, you know, blow himself up or do something on the road. Not Not drugs or anything like that, just stunts. He does side stunts. You know, mm-hmm. he makes his money on the side doing stunts on the road. So you never know if he would have been able to make it all the way to February, but he's made it. We were thinking more Preston Lacey. You know, whether Preston Lacey had another three to four months in him. And, you know, we're not at opening day yet, but we're only five days away. And as of today, as of us being on the air, Preston Lacey has made it. So our biggest fears, I think, were were quelled because it looks like the Jackass Forever cast, Party Boy didn't out, you know, party himself uh, off the red carpet. It looks like Party Boy Chris Pontius is going to be at the premiere for Jackass Forever. Well, we man um, and Preston were with Johnny Knoxville at the Rumble last night. Yes, yes. The, the Jackass crew was at the WWE Royal Rumble uh, Peacock event promoting the movie, which, I mean, that was a, a, a great tie-in, genius tie-in, really hit the the audience, the nostalgic, you know, uh, amped up, uh, uh, jacked up male audience. And they were there. Preston Lacey, he looked good. You know, he looked good. So, so, so Jack, Jackass Forever coming out, and then, of course, Moonfall. So we'll get to that later. That's, mm-hmm. that's a movie that is Roland Emmerich, the disaster master who has mm-hmm. lost a step, but Midway was a decent sized, I don't want to even say hit, but it, it surprised people. With well, how- do we do we want to start with Jackass Forever? I mean, we're yeah. both chomping at the bit for this. Yeah, well, I'm just giving a little preview. We're going to talk about yeah. Roland Emmerich, too. Yeah, yeah. There's so much. I mean, it's, it is so great to just finally have. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had a week a weekend with a big movie, and now it's just a bounty. We've got two of them. So now, full disclosure here. Mm-hmm. I am usually 
very much unsentimental when it comes to movie box office. Mm-hmm. I don't get too emotionally involved. Th- this past couple of weeks have been difficult for me because, because of course, Scream. And if you listen to our bonus Scream episode with Chelsea White, the mm-hmm. co-head writer of the Drew Barrymore show, mm-hmm. you'll know how much that franchise means to me. Mm-hmm. And how difficult it is to be non-biased and not worry about mm-hmm. the box office for it. Mm-hmm. And I believe Jackass, that is it. I'm in a similar boat here because I want this movie to do well, not only because it would be good for theaters, mm-hmm. but because it will feel good for me personally because something I love is succeeding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when people are throwing out, you know, either low low to mid-teens for this or highs for this, like Austin came in with a big 41 million he thinks this will open to. And and Austin, and we don't want to blow up your spot, he's in his he is a youngster. Yes. We I mean he told his, us his age. Yes, we won't it's give his specific age because Well the, I just did. No, no, I'm going to edit that out because that okay. those kind of things is how the government gets you. Okay, okay. So you will bleep that when I said his age. And I talked over it anyway, so you probably couldn't hear it. He, But he okay. is in the demo that the theater owners want and that the movie makers want. Mm-hmm. He is mm-hmm. in that key demo. And right. he's he's going high on it. And he says that that kind of late 90s, early 2000s nostalgia is big right now. It definitely is. Mm-hmm. And so this mm-hmm. could be a, a great time for a film like this to come out. And so yeah. when, when I hear 41, it gets me excited, but I don't want to get too excited because I don't want to be disappointed because the honest truth is I would be so, so high on this film if mm-hmm. Action Point didn't exist. I mean, I really do think we have got to throw that out when it comes to predicting this. And not because we want to, but because it is a completely different type. I mean, it's, it's not a jackass movie. No. You know, you look, I'm looking at the history of the jackass franchise, the jackass movies and jackass presents, and it is an unblemished just incredible box office franchise. Yeah. I mean, it is, you look at Jackass the movie in 2002, open to 22 million, legged out to 64 total. Jackass number two in 2006, opened at 29 million, legged out to 72 million. I mean, this one is incredible. Jackass 3D in 2010, opened at 50 million dollars and this is 10 years after the the show had stopped airing on mtv mm-hmm. opened at 50 million legged out to 117 domestic and then you get jackass presents bad grandpa opened at 32 million legged out to 102 i mean when you look at that what is incredible is that amongst the three jackass proper films, the opening weekends increased every time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the domestic totals o- 
increased every time to the point where part three made almost twice as much as the first one. I mean, and the first Jackass opened when the show was on TV and was the hottest thing in America. Well, the first I mean, one actually, it, it opened a little bit after because they had basically quit doing the show because mm-hmm. MTV said, we, we, need to, we need to thumbs up every single thing you do. Everything needs to be right. insured. And Johnny Knoxville said, no, fuck that. We can't do that. We can't water right. it down. So then they decided right. to make a movie. But it was cl- very close to when that show was on air and people right. were still- and- wanting more because i think they only did like 35 episodes of the original show if that and it was at the it was at the point when mtv even if they weren't making new ones i'm sure jackass was playing for four hours a day on mtv oh you're absolutely right yes was super hot then and and i think the thing that makes me bullish on this new movie is you look at that jackass franchise and it stayed hot for so many years after Jackass itself was not on MTV, after, you know, they aged uh, already on screen. You know, it's not like all these movies came out one after another when the cast was red hot and still really young. I mean, Jackass 3D came out in 2010, Mm -hmm. which is a long time ago now, but it's still a decent amount after when Jackass first started. So this is a franchise that has longevity already. I mean, Bad Grandpa came out in 2013 and, and, and made over 100 domestic. And Pretenders had come for their throne. Mm-hmm. Like there mm-hmm. wasn't a, a lot of movies released that were that way, but God, they've influenced so many generations of kids on the internet. So many shows on TV networks have been... Uh, a bunch of dudes hurt themselves and and mm-hmm. they have still been looked at as the high water mark. They are the seal of quality when it comes yep. to these types of 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 products. And so I do think, you know, there's questioning as to whether kids can see this stuff for free. Why would they go to the theater to see it? I, mm-hmm. I don't agree with that because even they know respect the masters. Right. Respect the Godfathers. Respect the people who started this. And I think there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a generation of kids. 2010 was the last full on Jackass movie. I mean, it's 2022. There's going to be kids that are in this prime demo of crazy scumbag 15 year olds that were what, two or three when that movie came out? Mm -hmm. They haven't been able to experience the mania of mm-hmm. seeing a jackass movie in a theater with a crowd yep. of maniacs yep and this hits and- that demo straight on the people who are going to see movies are this crazed young demo mm-hmm. who are throwing mm-hmm. every, even during covid during actual og covid no no vax Mm-hmm. they were in the theater going nuts. And that's the people that are going to come out for this. Yep. And this movie does need to get young people out to be a big hit. You mm-hmm. know, we saw that with Five Cream with Scream. There was definitely the nostalgia factor and definitely the old school audience went out to see it. But the real reason Five Cream did so well is that young people wanted to see a horror movie. 
mm-hmm. and they wanted to see a good horror movie that was a cut above a lot of the dreck that you get in the box office the last year. And they made that movie a hit. And so it's not going to be just the 40-plus-year-olds who were jackass fans in high school and college. That's not going to be enough to make this movie a hit. The youngsters got to go. The oldsters are just not enough anymore. And I do think that like horror movies, this is the perfect genre for them because this is a stunt movie. It's a vignette movie. And that is what's hot right now. Jackass is basically TikTok before there was TikTok. Mm-hmm. Jackass is YouTube clips before there were YouTube. You know, it, it's a language that these kids know. And it's the brand name of that. And like you said, it's the first time they're going to get to see this kind of stuff communally. You yes. know, this is them going to see. Uh, uh, TikTokers, you know, uh, uh, YouTubers. This, this is for them the closest they'll get to see Logan Paul doing his stunts, but they get to see it together in a big venue. You know, Logan Paul's not on the big screen, but Johnny Knoxville is. The king is. I think this is something that is forgotten a lot, and I, I say it a decent amount, but I don't think it can be said enough. Mm-hmm. Going to that, well, will they pay to go see it? Because all they do is watch stuff on their computer and their phones and they don't go outside, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's the way youth is painted in most Mm -hmm. of the media and in a lot of oldsters' minds. Right. But what you forget about being a kid, because it's been so long since this has been the case for you, is -hmm. that parents are up these kids' asses, right? Whether or not it's, good, like, let me buy you this, let me get you this, let me, whatever. Or Mm -hmm. it's, do this, do that, do your homework, do this. Parents are always going to be up a kid's ass. And a movie theater is an escape from that. Kids want to go be kids away from their parents. And the movie theater is a place they can do that because they can have a destination. They're not going to just say, oh, I'm going to Bill's. And they'll say, well, what's at Bill's and blah, blah, blah. And do they have this? And do you have your EpiPen and blah, blah, blah. It's Mm -hmm. we're going to the movies. We're going to go see Jackass forever. Or they say we're going to go see Spider-Man and then they go and see they they go see Jackass, right? Whatever they want to do. They say, oh, we're going to go see Sing 2, and then they go to Jackass, as long as they pay Mm -hmm. for a ticket. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. that's the thing that people forget is, like, the kids will go out because they want to get the fuck away from their parents. And something like this movie is right, right, right up their alley. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. This is a... This is a way of thumbing your nose at your parents or your guardians or just, you know... Uh, whoever the authority figures that don't keep you from going out of the house, but just still annoy you. Your bought your first bosses, mm-hmm. you know, the just out of college crowd are going to want to thumb their nose at their bosses and, and, and go see Johnny Knoxville during work hours. And I think, you know, I do again, looking back at the run of these jackass movies, those sequels would not have been as big as they were if they weren't getting the young people of the time to come out and see them, you know? So again, it wasn't just the people who originally watched Jackass on TV in the late nineties, early two thousands. 
that made Jackass 3D a hit. You know, Jackass 3D made 117 million domestic in 2010 because the youngsters of 2010 wanted to see a Jackass movie. Yeah. And I and the youngsters of 2014 or 2013 wanted to see Jackass a Jackass movie, so they went to see Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa. You know, I think I think Jackass has that ability to rally the youth of whatever time they're in to come see them, you know, stable their tongues and 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 give their uh give themselves paper cuts on the webs of their toes and shoot themselves out of cannons and 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 vomit and puke and 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 uh, you know make uh diarrhea volcanoes and all that. It's it's the kind of stuff that speaks to youth at every point in time. And I'm going to I'm going to point to something that people can look at as as a negative and I think is actually a positive is the absence of Bam Margera. Mhm. Now, he's one of the OG crew, you know, CKY, he was a guy who was the Pennsylvania uh East Coast contingent of the Jackasses mm-hmm. that merged mm-hmm. with the LA contingent to create Jackass. Mhm. But I will say, listen, I want I feel like he, you know, obviously, get better, get help, whatever. But in general, he was always the meanest and the mm-hmm. most sadistic of yep. all of the crew. And I honestly believe that that energy not being present in this film will yes. make it more palatable for that younger generation. Because That's Bam a is point. a very early 2000s, mid-2000s energy. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are moving back to that, but we're not moving back to that in the way he was. He always had issues. He always had problems. You know, listen, like I said, I don't wish ill will on him. I know he's had tragedies. I know he has substance abuse problems, whatnot. But I think him not being in this film is actually a positive, especially with the state he's in, but also just the energy that he brings. Yes, that's so dead on. And you could see it in the marketing of this movie of Jackass Forever. It is so positive. It is all about the gang is together, get together with your friends. It's a very happy time. It's not leaning on come see violence. It's leaning on come see them hang out and they'll take their licks along the way, but they're going to love every second of it. And Bam Margera, his thing was, I I punch my my dad in the belly at four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I come in screaming in the middle of the night and try and give my mom a heart attack, which was hilarious every time. But it was especially hilarious in 1999, in 2000, when we were that culture. You know, we were the Limp Biscuit, Maxim Magazine, South Park Season 1, you know, uh, 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 just just violent, crazy, uh, uh, just scuzz culture. You know, Bam Margera was... He was uh, one of the faces of late 90s, early 2000s, SCUS culture, which again, 
was great and it was a time uh, that that deserved its place. But it would be a hard sell now. I really think that you're dead right. Movie audiences and the youngsters of today would not be into seeing a movie where Bam Margera is slapping his elderly, and I don't know if they're alive, but let's say that they are, slapping his elderly, elderly parents in the belly at four o'clock in the morning. I don't think the youngsters of today want to see that. Uh, that's such, you, you nailed it because Johnny Knoxville's bit was, I want to get, put me in a bull ring and I'll get knocked over by a bull. Yep. And Bam's thing was, I am going to try and kill my dad. Yep. And it, yep. one of them ages well and one of them doesn't. Yes. Yes. The other thing I want to mention too here is Eric Andre is in this film. Mm -hmm. He is the true heir apparent to the Jackass Boys and Mm -hmm. Tom Green and that sort of comedy. I think he's. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, Jackass is is art, uh, but Eric Andre also is art, and he's elevated uh, that sort of comedy to a whole different level. He's like, Mm -hmm. you know, Tom Green is like the fish that came onto the beach and was able to breathe. Mm-hmm. Eric Andre is uh, the, the, the full-on man who was walking around erect. Yes, yes, yes. He's the walking fish. Tom but, Green is the flopping fish, yeah. But for me, I think Bad Trip, which is a movie that came out during the pandemic, mm-hmm. it, we wish it would have gone to theaters. I do think there, we, we've mentioned this before. We do feel like there was a group of people who would have gone to see that movie no matter what. Mm-hmm. But it was a big hit on Netflix. And I think a lot of young people watched that film and lamented the fact that they couldn't watch it in a packed room with their peers. Yep. And I think, no, it's a different movie. It's more of a narrative m- movie. It's not as vignette as it's not as tiktok ish as these jackass films are but the fact that he's in it gives them the seal of approval from the young guard Mm -hmm. and i think these younger people are going to say oh i love bad trip eric andre's in this movie i'm going to check this out and then they're going to fall in love with the jackass guys yep yep yeah it it was so smart that that uh johnny knoxville brought him in and that's always a thing with these movies, with these, these, you know, legacy sequels, these big franchise sequels, is they look to bring in a new guard, and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, Indiana Jones bringing in Shia LaBeouf and, and trying to pass the, the hat to him in Crystal Skull, that did not work. I mean, box office, that movie was a huge hit, but the fans didn't want that person Yes. To have the franchise pass to them. But I think Johnny Knoxville brought in the exact right person. And this is not a torch passing. I don't think Eric Andre takes over Jackass here. I think it's more of a cameo supporting role. But there is nobody better to have brought in to be the the new blood to this franchise. That, That was the perfect pick. Yeah, and I think Eric Andre, I don't want to speak for him, obviously, but I feel like he thinks it's an honor. I'm sure he's got to. And, you know, something else that just came into mind as 
part of why I think the youth culture is going to be excited about this movie is, you know, Jackass, the roots of Jackass, or at least the mainstream roots of Jackass, was the TV show on MTV Mm -hmm. that led to the movies. Right now, and this is a big Twitter meme, this is something you see every couple of weeks, people tweet out the MTV schedule, and almost every time the MTV schedule is days and days straight of repeats of ridiculousness. And ridiculousness is a show where they just show people, you know, doing stunts and getting hurt in YouTube clips. And then the, the, the people in the studio make fun of those clips. And that's what that show is. And it's obviously pales in comparison to the entertainment value of Jackass, but it's in somewhat of the same genre, which is clips of people doing stunts, wacky stunts, sometimes getting hurt and everyone laughing about it afterwards. That's the biggest thing on MTV right now, or at least it's the most shown thing. And obviously MTV is no longer youth culture. It's more TikTok and YouTube and all that. But I do think there is something to that kind of stuff. Again, it's another place where that stuff is out there, but the people who watch that, they never get the satisfaction of experiencing that in a movie theater. And then for for those viewers, the ridiculousness viewers, this movie, this jackass movie, is finally a place for them to go to a theater and experience the thing they like on TV in a group setting. Yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, the only thing, and I know you said, let's throw it out, but Action Point 2018 was supposed to be a big summer movie. Uh. And, and June 1st, it came out. And opened to $2.3 million and legged out to only $5 million. That is such a bomb on such a colossal level. Yeah. That's the thing. If it, if it did middling, if it opened to 5 or if it opened to 10 and then only did 30, that's something that I still would be worried about. But this is a colossal disaster. A colossal disaster. I'm looking at that weekend. It opened at number nine. It was the new movie of that weekend. Um, no, it was not the only... Was it the new movie? Uh, yes, it was the new movie of that weekend. Yeah. Um, well, what, what, else was, what else opened? Solo. No, Solo was in its second week. That weekend, so June first, twenty eighteen, Solo: A Star Wars Story, which was a movie most people didn't like, was in its second weekend. Deadpool two was in its third weekend. Um, oh, Adrift, which was that uh, uh, Deadpool's wife? Is that who's in that movie? Adrift. No, Adrift is is the God the Green Bay quarterback's girlfriend. Yes, 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 yes. That that was a uh, 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 yeah. That was just a drama movie. So basically, that was not. We're saying is the weekend action point came out was not a super hot weekend at the box office that year. Anyway, there was a bunch of holdovers. So you're right. Action point was a giant disaster. Obviously, it was not a jackass proper movie. You know, it did not have the jackass label anywhere on it. 
it was a scripted movie. Everyone knew that it was not real stunts, even though they tried to say, you know, we film these as if they were real stunts. Everyone knew it still was a scripted movie. So, well, no, it was a hybrid. The stunts were real, but they were, they were integrated sort of in the script. He did all the, I mean, listen, let's not argue about Action Park, but the idea of it was it was similar to Bad Trip in the sense of, Let's do these crazy things inside a narrative. And they did it with Bad Grandpa. Uh, uh, Bad Grandpa was similar. Yeah. I mean, I still think you got to just pretty much throw that out because people know what's a jackass movie and what's not. You know, Bad Grandpa was Jackass Presents. Yes, that's a big difference. Everyone knew that was a fully a as close to a jackass movie as you could possibly get. Um, you know, let's do this. I'm going to throw this at you. I am going to throw some opening weekends of movies from the Jackass franchise at you. And you're just going to give me over or under. Well, that's well, what we're going to do here. Okay. Could I tell you what it's tracking at? Sure. Tell me what According it's tracking According to at. Box Office Pro, 23 to 33 is what it's tracking at. Okay. All right, so that's the tracking on Box Office Pro. But let's play a little over-under Jackass franchise. Sure. So first one, and even though I said this is not part of the Jackass franchise, I'll, I'll let, we'll start with this over-under. 2018's Action Points. I mean, over. Which, over. So you're saying this movie, Jackass Forever, will open higher than 2.8. million. Uh, Yes. All right. So that's the first one. Over under 2002's Jackass the movie opened up at $22.7 million. Over. 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 Great. All right. Next over under. I'm going to throw at you 2010's. Jackass 3D. This is the biggest opening weekend of the series. It opened up at $50.3 million. Over or under? Under. Under. Next one I'll throw at you is 2006's Jackass number two opened at $29 million. Over. Over or under? Over. I think this lands in the 30s. All right, well, I got one more to throw at you. Okay. 2013, Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa opened at $32 million over under. That's the tough one. Mm-hmm. I think over. And, and over. I, think, I think over because of the crew. Yeah. This has the crew. So you are saying this movie is going to be the second biggest opener in the history of the Jackass franchise. You well, think because it makes over 32 million. I also think that movies nowadays, not that they all weren't always pretty much, but they're so heavily front loaded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is get there first. So you don't get spoiled. And there is a spoiler mm-hmm. element to these films because you don't want to hear secondhand about a poop volcano. You want to experience the poop volcano and tell all your friends. You want to yep. be the spoiler in this case. Yeah. 
so that's why I think it's going to be heavily front loaded. And I think that's why you're going to get uh, uh, like a 30, 33 to 34 million dollar opening. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I'm in that range too. I mean, you look back just a couple of weeks ago with another Paramount movie that was based on something that started in the late 90s. Scream, Five Cream, opened to $30 million three day just two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So I would be surprised. To me, the Jackass franchise feels as strong or stronger than the Scream franchise. So using that as the baseline, why would Jackass Forever open less than Five Cream? Well, and there's no barrier of entry for Mm -hmm. a fourth Jackass film. Number one, it's called Jackass Forever, so there's no number in it. Mm -hmm. So who knows as a kid how many there are. And Mm -hmm. and you don't, there's no mythology. Uh, it's just right. people getting hurt, and there's right. a bonus right. if you followed their careers, and it's a bonus if you've been there from the beginning. It's a bonus if you subscribe to Big Brother magazine, and mm-hmm. and you got you know that uh, taboo magazine in in mail in the mail instead in that uh, kerfluffle that happened when Larry Flint owned the company. So mm-hmm. you could be that person, or you could be somebody who's just never heard of them before and is like, I like seeing people get hurt, and I'm going to go see this. You don't need to know any history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking at, just to throw out another recent comp, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Obviously, that's a also a kid's movie, a family movie, but, you know, a movie that is the rebooting of a franchise that opened to $44 million opening weekend in November. So I, yeah, I feel like Jackass forever in line with those would open between scream and ghostbusters afterlife. So yeah, I mean, I think $35 million feels about right as a prediction here. I mean, I pray for Austin's 41. I mean, and 41 Austin, would be incredible. And Austin was close, very close, on his Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He, went, he went, I think, 260. Mm-hmm. And that was, or he went 240, I think, because what did it end up opening at? It opened at a crazy high number, but he was close. He was, it was looking like he was going to be dead on, and then it over, overperformed, but. Right, right. His he went as high up. as anyone could get. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, why, why questioned him? Mm-hmm. He's, he's in that demo. He's he, in the he's, demo. He's in the industry. Yep. Right. So I think he's, he's a guy to listen to. So I'm hoping for him, for his number, but I'm betting the odds that it's going to be that 33 to 35 range. Yeah, I think I'm going to go 35 million on this. You know, it, it just feels like, and like you said, opening weekends are bigger now than ever. And, you know, just throw in a lot of pent up frustration and a lot of pent up movie going because we haven't had a big release in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So people need that release, especially youngsters, you know, oldsters. They could go a while without a release. The older you get, you know, the oldsters, they 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 can't do a, a release every weekend. 
But the youngsters constantly, they need that release. They haven't had a new release in a couple of weeks. So they are really going to be chomping at the bit to go see something new. Well, for the oldsters, someone can come up to them and be like, when's the last time you had a release? And they'll say, you know what? I can't even remember. I, I haven't even thought about it. I haven't even thought about it. I guess before the, before the pandemic? Maybe. Have I not, have I not had a new release since, since uh, early 2020? Maybe not. Maybe not. So do we think, because we got to go to our second film here, mm-hmm. do we think this is a slam doink number one? I think it's a slam doink number one. I mean, I think the next movie we're about to talk about is a movie that probably should have opened sometime in the last two weeks. And the fact that it's opening against Jackass Forever is going to end up having been a mistake. So I think Jackass Forever, I I would be shocked if it's not number one. Because Roland Emmerich's Moonfall Mm -hmm. tracking... From eight to fifteen million, mm-hmm. is the other big release, and we were taking a look at Roland Emmerich's box office history. Well, and before we do that, real quick, just to set up what this movie even is, it's a Roland Emmerich movie, like you said, and the stars of it are Holly Berry, Patrick Wilson, Michael Pena, Donald Sutherland is in it. And then someone named Jar John Bradley and Kelly Yu are also actors in this. I mean, you know, Holly Berry is definitely the biggest star in this. I don't know if you could say she's been a big, big movie star in a while, though she has opened some like genre films in the last decade. You know, she's become a reliable, low budget action, horror ish movie actress. And she's always going to be Holly Berry. She's incredibly famous. Yes. Uh, and Patrick Wilson is just someone who is oddly a a movie star in the fact that he's has two different horror franchises that are gigantic. You know, he's the star of the Conjuring movies and he's the star of the Insidious movies, mm-hmm. uh, which the Conjuring especially are huge hits. But somehow he doesn't really get the credit for them, even though he is the lead of all those movies. But, you know, he's these are two people who moviegoers know you know That's you the see thing. their names and faces it's like oh i know them they're in a, one of them's holly berry one of the most famous actresses of, of of an era and the other one's the guy who's always in all these hit movies and i forget his name yes yes but handsome. he definitely is not a guy that you are turned off by he's no, a guy no. that you know like oh i'll follow what he I, i'm gonna follow his movements right right and another thing before we go into the Roland Emmerich deep dive is me and you have seen this trailer a few times in the last few months. Mm-hmm. And an interesting thing we noted is there was a trailer a few months ago for Moonfall that was very dark and serious, you know, because this is a movie about uh, the moon is knocked from its orbit and sent on a collision course with Earth. And a couple of months ago, we saw a trailer for this. It might have been before Venom, Let There Be Carnage. That yes. was deadly serious. And then we saw newer trailers for Moonfall in the last month or so that are very fun and upbeat and kind of silly. And they've definitely changed the marketing tone 
to that. But but there was a much more serious, dramatic disaster marketing before. And it's interesting because who knows what tone this movie actually has? Because the movie may be really downbeat and serious and they've just cut an upbeat trailer for it. I think his movies, Roland Emmerich always has moments of levity or attempted levity Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. may not always hit. But I do think that he's a guy who tries to have a few jokes in there, whether they land or not. Mm-hmm. is a different question is a different is a different question right mm-hmm. now that i think could go either way because we could be seeing the snakes on a planification of this film right. where it's fun to joke about online but you know there wasn't twitter back then i don't think with snakes on a no plane. no it was more. It message was all blogs. It was all blog and message boards. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, again, tweets aren't ticks. So who knows no. if the people goofing on Moonfall are going to actually pay to see it? Right. So Roland Emmerich. So he started with two pretty small movies that did decently. Nineteen ninety two Universal Soldier, which did okay, thirty six million domestic. And then Stargate, which spun off into a series, but opened to 16, made 71, did well worldwide. But the big start of his career was Independence Day, Mm -hmm. July 2nd, Mm -hmm. 1996, opened to $50 million, ended up domestically at 306.1, and then worldwide, 817. Of course, it's a defining movie for a generation and I think that really, th- that was, n- he never did anything that compared to that because two years later, Godzilla opened a 44, but only made 136, 376 worldwide. I mean, that was looked at as pretty much a colossal disaster for, for him. Well, size matters. Very true. And the box office was small. And then 2000 Patriot, The Patriot, which I'm surprised he directed, opened mm-hmm. at 22, made 113 domestic, 215 worldwide. So that was not bad. I, that felt more that, like a, that's a, a hit. A, that's a hit, but it felt more like an awards play at the time, too. Well, I think that movie, you know, like you said, Godzilla in, in 98 was a miss. And then I feel like The Patriot. Him directing that was he knew that would be a hit because, listen, that's Mel Gibson in 2000. Mel Gibson at that point in a big epic action movie is a slam doink. Yeah. And my guess is Roland Emmerich directed that so that he could have a, a sure thing hit. You know, you, you just direct a Mel Gibson war movie. It's going to be a hit. And that was him getting back on track. Like The Patriot is definitely a hit movie because, again... 2000, a movie that makes 113 domestic, unless it's a Wild Wild West type giant budget, that that's a success. So he's back on track there. And the scale of that film was not the scale of Independence Day or Godzilla, right? Because no, it was no. a war. Heath Ledger, Mel Gibson. It it had a a lower scale. It wasn't a huge, big budget disaster film, which is what no. his uh, milieu became. 
No, it was a revolutionary war. So you're not even making expensive kinds of weapons. You're making wooden muskets and, and, and you know, the, the kind of stuff where you're not going to blow your budget uh, making those type of weapons. You're not making spaceships like uh, ID-4. And then, so 2004, May 28th, the day after tomorrow, opens to $68.7 million, domestically makes 186.7 and then worldwide 555.8 so this is this is a big hit this is yep him getting back on on the horse off the schneid although like you Mm -hmm. said patriot got him back but this is a big big budget disaster film starring a young gillenhall right Yes, Jake Gyllenhaal and Dennis Quaid as his dad, right? Is that the so. movie where it's the it's the end of the world, like a, an ice apocalypse, and the father and son have to find each other at the North Pole? I think that's what that was. But either way, it was mostly here is a lot of snow, and the mm-hmm. world's going to end. And then 2008, May 7th, 10,000 BC, 35.8 opening, Made ninety four point seven domestic, and then made two sixty nine worldwide. So not huge, not a disaster. But that's a that's a really really bad multiple. Yeah, you know, you open at thirty five. You want to get more to more than ninety four when you're a summer blockbuster movie. I do not remember what ten thousand BC is about. That, yeah, that's a film that I remember seeing the trailer for and thinking not interested and then never really looking into it any deeper. Yeah. And then November 13th, 2009, 2012. Now, this is, I think, his last big hit. Mm-hmm. $65.2 million opening, 166 domestic, and then 757.6 worldwide. That is a monster worldwide. That is nearly as close. It's nearly as much as Independence Day. Yeah, that is. And this is another one. God, it it really is this, this almost this trilogy that he makes where it is these end of the world types of movies that, that there's dates in the titles. You know, the day after tomorrow. So there's a date. It's going to be the day after tomorrow. 10,000 BC is is a date. And then 2012 is a date. You know, it's it's this odd trilogy that he makes in the middle of his career where it's about the beginning and end of the world. And do you remember who the stars of 2012 are? Without looking it up, do you remember who's in this movie? John Cusack. Yes. Is the main male star. Yes. Oh, who else is in this movie? Is Randy Quaid in it? Randy Quaid is not in the movie unless he's an Easter egg in the background. But I feel like even by that point in 2009, if you want Randy Quaid in the movie, you've got to sneak him across a border. So I don't I don't think he ends up in this. Yeah, he's off the um, rails. Who's I'll give you a few other people that are in it. Amanda Peet is in this movie. Okay. Uh, and Danny Glover and Woody Harrelson are also in this movie. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is this is an odd one. Uh, it is, 
let's see. Uh, what was it about? It's about, it looks like it's again about global warming, this time happening in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's about a geologist, new types of neutrinos from a huge solar flare or heating the Earth's core. So it is a, you know, the Earth is going to swallow us up movie um, taking place in Los Angeles. And it really feels like this was a movie that was a hit, but really didn't help any of the stars in the movie other than they all got big paychecks. But it's not like this movie made John Cusack a big bankable box office star. You know, it's one of those movies that kind of didn't do much for anyone in the movie. Yeah, I mean, but I think John's forgotten. John, it's definitely forgotten, but I think John Cusack is a is the kind of guy that he definitely has been, uh, you know, he 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 was a sturdy presence for a very mm-hmm. long time. Right, right. Um, this is an oddly titled movie too, because to make a movie in two thousand nine titled twenty twelve is odd. Because usually when you title a movie with a a year in it. It's typically a year that is either like way in the past, like 10,000 BC was, that's fine, or way into the future. Mm -hmm. You know, 2001 A Space Odyssey was made in, uh, uh, what, 1965 or something, you know, or 1970. It It wasn't made in 1998. Yes. True. Um, So it's a confusing title, but... Yeah, it was a hit. It's looking back at these, I'm I am actually a little surprised at just how long Roland Emmerich's run actually lasted. It's longer than I remembered it. Yeah, because it it but it ends because then uh, yeah. he had a movie called Anonymous in 2011, doesn't look like it was a big budget. But then White House Down, a movie we saw together. Yeah. June theaters. 28th, 2013, opens to 24. And only makes it to 73 domestic and mm-hmm. 205 worldwide. Now, this was Channing Tatum and, and Jamie Foxx. And that was Channing Tatum at his pretty much height of this guy's going to be the next big thing. Yes, that was right in the middle of the 21, 22 Jump Street run, the uh, Magic Mike run. Yeah, this is before he sort of did this sort of almost like pull himself out of movies thing that he's done the last few years. And then we had him, he directed Stonewall, which is such an interesting uh, thing for him to have done. 2015, I mean, that's not even worth talking about. It only was in 129 theaters at its max. I mean, just going back to White House Down real quick, it's interesting in 2013, you know, because White House Down is about the White House being taken and it does come out the same year as one of our mutual, the first in one of our mutual favorite franchises of all time, comes out the same year as Olympus Has Fallen. Mm-hmm. And Olympus Has Fallen comes out in March of that year and opens uh, to $30 million, ends up at $98 million. And like you said... White House Down comes out just a few months later, comes out in June of the same year, opens up at 24, so smaller opening weekend, and then 73 million, so a smaller domestic total. And of course, there have not been two sequels to White House Down the way there has been to Olympus Has Fallen. So it's, it's, 
the the case of two movies that were made on the same topic and one of them ends up being the white Earp and one of them ends up being the tombstone mm-hmm. and uh white house down was the white Earp. it was the loser in yep. that battle gary butler ate their lunch yes yes so then June 24th, 2016, another film we saw together, mm-hmm. Independence Day Resurrection, $41 million opening, 103 domestic, 384 worldwide. Now, that, though, was looked at as a disaster, and it was. I mean, that's it not, it's not enough for it to get a sequel because we have not seen another one in the franchise, even though it blatantly at the end of that film calls out for its own sequel. And we laughed out loud in the theater. Cause we thought, yeah, that ain't happening. Yeah. We knew. And so the last film that he put out that he mm-hmm. directed was right before the pandemic, November 8th, 2019 midway, $17.8 million opening 56.8 domestic and 126 worldwide. Now, the thing with that is that's not great, but that's not it great. definitely was a surprise and it hung around the top 10 for a very long time because that mm-hmm. when we officially started this podcast, mm-hmm. that was one of the films we talked about and we talked about it for a long time because it just never went away. And it yeah. was one of those films that was making just a little bit each each week. But mm-hmm. it it obviously didn't add up to too much. Yeah. So I mean it it stayed in the top ten through its first five weeks. I mean that also is shows the difference between the current state of movie box office and where we were in 2019, where Midway did feel like it hung around forever because it stayed in the top ten for five weeks despite being sort of a bomb. Whereas now you know, something like the Kingsman has been in the top five for, you know, two months because that's just how much, you know, the lack of product out right now. Yes. But Midway still, definitely did feel like it had hung around forever, even though it, in retrospect, really didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that is, you know, that is where Roland Emmerich is at, is that, He's definitely on the downswing. You know, when you, when you make a movie like Independence Day Resurgence, when you're making a sequel to your biggest hit that had come out almost 20 years or 20 years earlier, you're making that because your back is a little against the wall and you're trying to pull a rabbit out of your hat and get a big hit. And when that doesn't work, then you're really starting to be on the downswing. But the thing is, Moonfall is a big movie. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. Roland Emmerich is being shunted down to indies or, or streaming movies. You know, he's still directing a movie that I'm sure Moonfall cost. I mean, did it cost over $100 million? I feel like I've seen reports that this is still a giant budget movie. I, I think it's got to be at least that, right? Right. Um, so Roland Emmerich, the thing with someone like Roland Emmerich is he's had so many hits and he's got a generational, one of the biggest hit movies of all time in Independence Day. He 
has is going to keep getting chances and and he's someone who as a director they know he could make these kind of movies. You know, there's not that many people in the world who could bring a moonfall in at budget and on time and he's one of them. But there is going to be the point where if these movies keep being busts, then it's going to be the end for Roland Emmerich. Well, and Moonfall well, is is maybe one of those movies that he's got to start sweating that he kind of needs this one to be a hit. A hundred and forty billion dollar budget. Yeah, that's what's on. That's what's out there. I mean, probably it's probably around that. You know, this is probably a, for sure a hundred million dollar plus movie. Yeah. And I want to um, also, so real quick before we go with what we think this movie is going to do. Mm-hmm. So Dean Devlin, who was a creative collaborator with Roland Emmerich for, I believe, Independence Day and Godzilla. Mm-hmm. He went on to direct two movies, one of which was 2017's Geostorm, mm-hmm. starring the aforementioned Gary Butler, who is a movie star in these types of films. Yep. But the domestic box office for this film ended up at $33.7 million, and it only opened to Mm $13.7. Now, worldwide, it did really well, 187, but domestically, it did not do spectacularly. Now, that's 2017, so it was Mm -hmm. a while ago. But it's a very similar sort of type of film. Right. And so I'm 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 really wondering where this film is gonna gonna come out, what number. Do you think that it opens higher than Geostorm? So Geostorm made thirteen, you 13. said thirteen. Thirteen point seven. I I think where this falls is between Geostorm and Midway. I think it opens higher than Geostorm, but I do think it opens lower than Midway. I don't I think it it ends up around 16. Wow, you're going 16. Yeah, I mean I feel like this weekend the youngsters are going to see Jackass, a disaster space movie does feel like a genre that listen everything comes back around everything could work again but it it's going to be it is a genre that needs a special type of movie to reinvigorate the genre mm-hmm. haven't seen moonfall but i don't think roland emmerich and patrick wilson are going to be the team that reinvigorates the disaster movie yeah, uh, I, I, it doesn't feel like this is that movie. You know, the way Scream rebooted all of horror in the 90s. You know, I, I think that is going to happen someday for disaster movies at the box office. Moonfall is probably not it. You know, I think Moonfall is going to be another disaster movie that the kids don't care about. Wow. So is there any possibility at all? Because we got to do our top uh, fives. Yeah. Is there any possibility? There's, is there any possibility that Spider-Man: No Way Home beats Moonfall this weekend? I, mean, I don't think disaster, so. Disaster, right? I don't think so. I, I think Moonfall is gonna be in the teens. I don't think. I don't think Moonfall. It, it's such a big movie and has had so much promotion. 
that it's going to just will itself to the teens. And Spider-Man mm-hmm. made $11 million this weekend. I don't see Spider-Man having an uptick, you know, because I think a lot of the youngster audience that is seeing Spider-Man for the 11th time, they're finally going to go see Scree- They're going to go see Jackass instead of seeing Spider-Man again. So I, you know, I, I think, I think it's a pretty slam doink that the two new movies are going to open one and two. Yeah, it would be a, dis- I mean, if Spider-Man makes more money than Moonfall, that is a, total disaster yeah so i mean do you think do you think there's any way moonfall gets to 20 million are you saying do you think moonfall is going to be in the teens or do you think it could get to 21 22 million you know listen if it does good for it because then that makes Mm -hmm. me feel like jackass will be even higher than we said right right that's my thought is if more people go to Moonfall, that means more people are going to go to Jackass because that means more people are just generally going to the theater next weekend. That that would mm-hmm. be good. But I, I'm i thinking the same thing as you. What did you say? What number did you go? I think around 15. Again, I, I don't, you know, Midway made 17.8. I don't think Moonfall makes as much as Midway did. Yeah, I'm going to go with Unlucky 13 for Moonfall. Wow. Wow. So you So you think it's going to, not make as much as Geostorm? Yeah. No Jerry Butler. Interesting. 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 I mean, Moonfall, especially with the upbeat trailer that it's putting out there, it really did need to have a Jerry Butler type, not campy star, but but some a star that is bringing you, I think, a little bit more pizzazz than patrick wilson does you know patrick wilson is perfect for those horror movies where he's kind of the straight man to the ghouls Mm -hmm. but i think for for something like moonfall to have really hit at the box office i do think it needed you know not a chris pratt i mean someone like chris pratt maybe takes this into a different level of budget yeah but but someone like that it did kind of need this kind of needed to be a chris pratt movie to really justify being a theatrical big budget release. I I agree. I agree. So, I mean, top fives, I think this is pretty simple, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Jackass Forever, number one, Moonfall, number two, Spider-Man, number three, Scream, number four, and then Sing 2, number five. Yeah, I I don't see any other version of this because i don't think the king's man i mean redeeming love is gonna go down do you see any interesting flip-flops below that i mean i think we both would guess that the king's man is gonna move ahead of redeeming love this week i mean i i'm gonna go with my thought of american underdog jumping up not top five definitely Mm. but but it definitely moving up past 355 and probably over redeeming love i think kingsman hangs out at six and uh, and kurt warner american underdog is number seven and then you know underneath that it's it's a big mishmash yeah yeah i i think that top five i'd be very surprised with any other any other order the only thing is moonfall if moonfall is a charlie's angels-esque disaster then Spider-Man beats it, and it's Spider-Man at number two, which would be so insane. 
Yeah, I, I don't think it'll be that because I do think Spider-Man is going to take a little bit of a hit from Jackass coming out. I, I do think the youngsters are going to go see Jackass in such a number that Spider-Man will have a bigger drop than it's had the last few weeks. Great. Well, Pat, so there's we talked about a lot. So mm-hmm. where can they talk? Where can they reach us to keep the conversation going? Well, there's many ways you could reach us. One of the ways you could reach us is by leaving a review, a five-star review for us on uh, Apple Podcasts. I mean, that's the, that's the that's the best way to reach us. And, and someone who reached us with that uh, is our friend Danny, a wannabe old boy, wannabe old girl, wannabe old person, person. who uh, left us the review on uh, Apple Podcasts saying, uh, there are great reasons why to listen to this podcast. I got great info and explanations on the numbers. And on top of that, honest conversations on these movies and whatnot. Love listening to them a lot. Hoping to be a guest someday. Anyways, give them a listen and I promise they won't disappoint you. And this person who left us a review is not just a listener, not just a wannabe a boy, wannabe a girl, wannabe a person. Person. He also has his own podcast that he just started a few months ago called I Screen, You Scream for Movies. And the U is just the letter U. The four before four movies is the number four. I Screen, comma, You Scream for Movies is the name of his podcast. I've listened to a couple episodes. Really fun stuff. He's you know, given his take on the movie business, on the big stories of the day, some reviews of movies. It's really great to see that the B.O. Boys listeners are getting in on the action. You know, mm-hmm. we are out there uh, in, uh, inspiring people, you know. Yep. And listen, I don't I don't know for sure if we're the reason that, that I, I screen, you scream for movies exists, but... Uh, probably. And it's great to see that. It's great to listen to that. Our inspiration bearing fruit, the wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people, people are uh, getting out there and making their voices heard, which is great. So that's one way to reach us. And of course, you could always email us at the BO Boys Podcast at gmail.com. We love getting these great emails, sparks discussion on the show. And, uh, you know, that's that's the second best way to reach us. Best ways, of course, five-star reviews, but email the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. Always a great way to reach out. Nice. Well, I think there's nothing left to say, Pat, except for until next time. We'll, we'll smell you at the box. Office. Nailed it.